You are listening to CFRO Community Radio Station. The upcoming show, Conscious Living Radio, is a program that explores frontiers of consciousness, spirituality, personal growth, emerging paradigms in psychology, health, science, and innovative philosophies that reflect commitment to the advancement of individual, social, and global transformation. Welcome to Conscious Living here on 100.5 FM CFRO in Vancouver. My name is Mark Curran, and today uh, I'm really excited to share with you the work of our guests. And we're going to be talking about the subject of coming home, group healing with plant medicines. And our guests today, we have two guests today. And our first guest I'll introduce is Aga. Aga is a trauma-informed breathwork practitioner practitioner. She worked with Combo and Bufo as a facilitator and a plant medicine guide. She has over 10 years of professional experience working in a variety of healing arts and spirit plant medicines. Her journey of awakening started off young in her early 20s in South America with ayahuasca. In 2011, she was working at an ayahuasca healing retreat center that collaborated with curanderos of the Shipibo lineage in Pucallpa, Peru. Aga's approaches to healing is a holistic combination of both Western and Eastern approaches infused with earth-based teachings, magic and playfulness. I like that magic and playfulness. And then we have Deus. Uh, Deus Forte is a men's coach, transformational artist, works with Numa Breathwork as a practitioner and a plant medicine facilitator. He's based out of Vancouver, B.C., He has over 15 years of experience in the immersive study and practice of Kriya Yoga, psychedelics, body-centered psychotherapeutic methods, and trauma-informed facilitation. Deus's exposure to many different esoteric and psychotherapeutic principles and practices has informed a holistic approach to healing. He employs sensitive therapeutic processes as well as insightful and profound dives into non-ordinary states of consciousness as a catalyst for resolving suffering, unleashing creativity, and rekindling the flame in our hearts and souls. Welcome to the program, guys. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. It's always a pleasure to to connect with you guys and, and share your work. And, you know, the topic is a fascinating thing for, for myself, being in, you know, the plant medicine 
world for a number of years and knowing the importance of breath work and, you know, just the different modalities that you guys work with is um, really just something I admire because I know the dedication that it takes to, you know, to train, to learn and to develop the skills to really help people along their journey of transformation. So Mm -hmm. thank you for, you know, the, the discipline that that takes and, you know, just being here to serve. And, you know, to me, that's one of the most important things when it comes down to helping change the world and the world's an ever-changing place as we know it over the past couple of years. So, uh, you know, let's start about how you guys really got started in the work you're doing. And um, we'll we'll talk about how, you know, your focus now on group therapy and, and group work is is kind of the focus so if you want to just kind of tell our listeners how you got started a little bit about your story and we'll take it from there sure i'll go first okay um yeah so my plant medicine journey started when i was 20 21 and that's really that was the awakening moment up until then um i was incredibly unhappy in you know as a young young woman uh, pursuing the career of acting. I thought I was going to be an actress. Um, and once I started booking work, I really realized I hated being on set. It was so toxic. But what I really loved was acting class where it was all, it was basically therapy. It was therapeutic work and looking at the shadow and working to access emotions and widening my range of expression and, and of my range of feeling. And it was really strange that some feelings were scary and some energies I couldn't embody. There was blocks there and, you know, painful scenes. We had to draw upon our past trauma, right? So I'd bring back these unprocessed events in my life and end up processing them in, in class. And that was like therapy. And, and that was a moment where I realized, okay, acting wasn't my thing. I was incredibly lost. I was depressed. I was um, developing social anxiety, um, getting lost in alcohol. I, had, I didn't really know then about um, childhood developmental trauma. I didn't really realize how abusive my childhood was, how much trauma I carried until I started doing plant medicine. So I ended up being in, in Ecuador, in South America. When I was 20, 21, my family had moved down there and I went to go visit. And uh, I get there and my brother, I, I land and my brother right away is like, you have to try ayahuasca. It's, 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 it's amazing. You know, there, it's done in a teepee. There's a shaman and you just got to try it. Uh, give me very little context. Um, and I'm a lot of hype. <laughs> so there I am. And uh, I go sit in ceremony. It was my first time sitting three nights in a row. And that did it for me. After those three sessions, when I came back from my visit, I sold all my stuff, left my, my partner at the time, left my job, and just in full faith, went to go live in South America to work with these plants. And um, yeah, three years later, still working, still down there, still working with the plants, ended up in an ayahuasca center, working with the Shipibo tradition and um, learning to manage the center and really coming in contact with people who are coming in for deep healing and seeing what healing actually looks like. And I grew up really sick too, um, fungal infections, con- constantly on antibiotics. It was like, there was some, always something wrong with me and something broken with me. But when I started working with these medicines, I started getting better physically. And 
of seeing what healing actually looks like for people, how it brings us together and the power of, of ayahuasca and the power of plant medicine, seeing depression resolve in a weekend, lifelong depression, lifelong self-hatred, bulimia, you know, all of this stuff just re- resolved um, with these medicines. And that's where I vowed when I, in my, at that time I was, I believe 23, 24. And I said, yeah, this, this is what I'm dedicating my life to. Like, this is where I feel most at home, where it makes most makes the most sense. And, uh, and then the next five years was, I didn't, I never thought I'd be a facilitator. I, my dream was to own land and have curanderos or ayahuasqueros come to my land and, 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 um, hold ceremony. And so the next five years, I, I launched myself into the world with, with travel and, and learning different modalities of healing. So anything from um, holistic nutrition to gut health, really learn understanding the physical body, then moving more into the, the subtle realm. So Reiki, bioenergy, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, um, what else, breath work, all, all these different modalities, somatic experiencing, internal family systems, all, all these things just learn about the psyche and what, what the human experience actually is because our school system did a very poor job <laughs> at educating us about what life actually is about. It's not about you know the white picket fence and the fancy car. And uh, yeah, and then about age 20, 27, when I returned back to Canada, I was like, okay, this is where I want to live. I've, I've traveled the world. This, this is where I'm ready to take root. And, um, psilocybin came to me and I was doing my, I had my own, um, Saturn return. Everything started falling apart, falling to shit. And spirit was asking me to rearrange my life. And so in that lost space, I just started working with mushrooms for my own, um, grounding in my own clarity and my own purpose. And they came in really, really strong saying, this is, this is what you're, you're going to be doing. Please serve us please hold ceremonies. And so it started with friends and friends of friends and friends of friends of friends, and then by donation. And then I met my partner and then we started facilitating together and, and then it just snowballed. And from there, just um, how we work together now in in groups and all, all the different medicines we acquired after is working with, uh, with psilocybin really seeing, okay, we can prepare people for these, spaces. Not everybody is really ready for a deep dive journey, right? Some people need to start with breath work or just cleanse the physical body with combo. Um, you know, and, and some people, psilocybin doesn't work. Maybe breath work works instead or 5-MeO. So now um, over the last five years, we've been working together. We're kind of like expanding our, our altar to really help people meet people where they're at in their healing journey and help um, move them forward. Yeah. So Wow. Beautifully said. Yeah, you open up a lot of uh, a lot of areas we can talk about and take a deeper dive in. But let's hear from Deus and, and tell us a bit about your story and how you got involved, uh, you know, in the work you do and, and plant medicines and whatever's, you know, the most important to you in, in your life today. Sure. Yeah, I'll try to give you the nutshell version. I feel like I've told this story a thousand times, but it always comes out slightly different. I, I think I'll start with I was heavily bullied when I was growing up through my teenage years and it shut off my emotions. And from that point, I shifted my attention to being a high performer and learning how to adapt and fit into a wide variety of social groups. I kind of became a chameleon and I can suppress my own personal experience um, for the sake of social acceptance. Cause that's where I was seeking safety. And after I got out of high school, similar story to 
Aga, I started working in the bar, the nightclubs, and started diving deep into heavy cannabis use, heavy alcohol use. And I could see myself deteriorating after about two years. But I was, I knew throughout that period of time that I was really dissatisfied. So I was constantly seeking out adventures. And in those explorations, while I was traveling through Central America, I had um, a series of very profound spiritual experiences that completely reoriented my sense of identity and perspective on the world. It's very difficult to describe those experiences, but it was, I was able to experience myself as a non-physical, non-local being. And by the time I got back to Canada, my priorities were completely shifted. I didn't care about career or finances or relationships even at that point. I became obsessed with enlightenment. I needed to know what the truth of reality was. And so I dedicated myself to that pursuit for the next 10 years. I went and got initiated into Kriya Yoga through Self-Realization Fellowship, which is deep meditation and pranayama, which worked really well for my constitution and my trauma because it was very interiorized. I was able to kind of dissociate from the world and go within. So it suited me really, really well. But eventually I had to come back to the world and figure out how to fit in again. And it was a really, really challenging period of time for about five years. I couldn't figure out how to place myself back into the world. And so I just explored as many things as I could from esoteric traditions to leadership and communication, breathwork, a whole bunch of stuff. And during this time I was exposed to plant medicine. So plant medicine wasn't the catalyst for me. It was something that I would go to, to help me break through a threshold or to explore territory that I wasn't able to access on my own periodically as a bolster to my practice. And through that time, I was also exposed to various indigenous ceremonies, Blackfoot tradition, um, sweat lodges, sundance down in Southern Alberta, continued doing breath work and taking trainings and studies and things like this. And then I got certified in a few different Exploration, some of which you mentioned during the intro, transformational art was a big one for me, which was about resensitizing the inner landscape and learning how to express that, how to break down the fears, the inhibitions and the blockages so that there is no distance between your inner world and your outer world so that you can live authentically. That was huge for me. And from there, I started transitioning into leading workshops and facilitating Shortly after I began facilitating, I met Aga, and she introduced me to the medicine that she was working with and kind of invited me into that space as a facilitator, which I heavily resisted because I was extremely judgmental towards people who moved into facilitating plant medicines without a lineage behind them, and I felt radically unqualified for it. But as Aga introduced me to this medicine, I experienced something very similar to what she was describing, what I would call my first experience of channeling, where the intelligence of the medicine literally took over all of my faculties and um, facilitated through my being in a one-on-one -on -one session with Aga. And from that point on, it started leading me through a series of initiation experiences, rites of passage, which was extremely intense and uncomfortable as it was stripping away a lot of my own um, distortions. And not to say I'm free of all of those, but it was like going through a furnace. There was a lot of cleansing and purification that was going on throughout that period of time. 
And then through those first few years of us facilitating, as Aga was saying, we started to refine our approach as we came to a deeper experiential understanding of what was actually occurring in those spaces, as well as continuing our study and practice and trauma-informed facilitation and just kind of padding the tool belt, you know, mm-hmm. getting certified in, in breath work and getting exposed to other practitioners and making connections with above ground therapists, people who are kind of leading the charge like yourself in bringing these medicines to the forefront of the public awareness and really advocating for their therapeutic value. So we just continued exploring all of those things and refining as we move forward. And that leads us to where we are today with a very well-rounded approach to healing and not approaching the plant medicines as some kind of magic pill that is just going to magically fix your problems, but recognizing that they're allies, they're teachers on this path, but our participation is required in that healing process. So we're trying to figure out how to best support a person in the approach to that experience, how to facilitate that experience for them, and then to help, um, them transition into an easeful integration so that they can have a long-term transformation in their life rather than just a peak experience. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned, you brought up the, the spiritual, uh, what's it called experience of actually working with the plants and the plants being the teachers. Cause you know, I'll, I'll be honest, we don't have a lineage. We're not ayahuasqueros where we went down to the jungle to do a dieta. Um, it was a culmination of our life experiences that brought us to the plants, but the plants, have been and continue to be the teachers, you know, I can go into a ceremony and access this deep inner knowing of exactly what, what's occurring. And the, the, even like the, the terminology for something. And then the next day I read it in in a book and it's like, oh yeah, I know that. (laughs) Right. That's exactly what the plants are teaching me or I'm sitting in meditation, tuning to them and and they're literally teaching me. And then you know, go see a speaker at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference and then someone's sharing that, like, yes, the studies have proven that this, and I'm like, yeah, that's what the plants told me yesterday. So there was this really beautiful time with the plants, literally literally learning how to to listen to them because they are conscious. They are beings that I do believe really want humanity to awaken. They really want us to be happy, to be healthy, to live in harmony with ourselves and the earth, and they're so generous. Well, beautifully said and you, you said something that just made me think uh, of a, something I read just the other day which I made me chuckle and it was like have you ever given it any thought that maybe the plants are here you know raising us versus us on the planet you know um, so I thought that was it was just a funny little quip the way they kind of spun it around and put it into a different perspective because, you know, we are all here on this planet together and we need to, you know, really respect and honor it because there's a lot of damage being done on so many different levels, um, which is not exactly the, the, the direction we're going with this, but that's a whole nother topic. But, you know, sustainability of the plants is also an important aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I <clears throat> wanted to touch base on is what I really love about you guys is you have such a wide range of modalities that you work with. And in my perspective, what I've seen out there, it, it's an important to have a big toolbox and to have different tools because not one thing works for everybody. There's no magic pill. And it's what you were talking uh, to as well, Deus, about, um, you know, having the, the ability to create change and transformation 
And it's not just a pill, you know, you have to do the work. And it's something that we've seen and I've seen anyways in, in the community since I've been been around for a number of years now is there is a little bit of that, if not maybe a lot, where people think, oh, I'll just sit with ayahuasca and it'll all be cured or I'll just do a mushroom journey and I'll be cured. And, you know, it's not as simple as that. And, and I think that's part of our this Western way or, you know, from the past century or two, where we think that it's a one pill fix everything. And, you know, you guys do so many different modalities. Is there something, one question that I have is, do you find that there's a commonality in terms of what most people are looking to transform in their life or change or heal? There's definitely themes. It's different for every person and the experiences that have driven them to seek out healing is different for each person. I also find that in the last five years that we've been working, that there's themes, you know, of 2020, 2021, right? The people that come, at least to me in my ceremony, it's like, oh, okay, so now we're switching from releasing fear to authenticity. Okay. And now, right now I'm in a wave of authenticity. People are really wanting to express who they actually are and figure out who they actually are and give themselves permission to be that and be getting curious of who are they under all the conditioning and the censorship. So there's been a real theme of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also different categories of people. Like there are some people who are being, being drawn to these experiences because they're in a prolonged state of suffering and then there's other people who are being drawn to these spaces because they're in uh, an expansion process where, you know, they, they want to tap into the spiritual realms or they want to um, capitalize on the momentum that they're building through various things that they're doing. So it's hard to generalize, but some of the themes that I've noticed keep coming up over and over and over again are anxiety and depression. Those are two um, very common themes mm-hmm. for people coming into these spaces. And on that note, oftentimes with these people, um, more um, traditional approaches have failed them. They haven't found relief or healing from, you know, pharmaceuticals or medications. So that's my one question that I wanted to ask you when you talk about traditional approaches, are you speaking of traditional in the past hundred years or so, or. Yeah. I'm talking about Western medical approaches. Western traditional. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, you know, well, I asked the question because we use that language often and I've caught myself doing it as well, where, you know, when you refer to, you know, working with the indigenous cultures and real traditional practices and ceremony, you know, there's tradition now that goes back a thousands of years versus, you know, the past 100, 150 years of pharmaceuticals or so. So there's this kind of perception of what's traditional, even in our own everyday life, right? That's yeah. a really good question because even in a lot of those cultures, their their practices and approaches vary wi- wildly, you know, and they're constantly adapting because it's a living relationship with the plants and with the communities and their way of life. And those things constantly change over time. So mm-hmm. even within the indigenous communities here in North America, you know, the Lakota practices will differ from the Blackfoot practices even though they might be holding the same ceremony they have very different ways of approaching it and then the question comes in of what are our western traditions what traditions are we drawing upon when we approach healing and 
oftentimes we're found wanting, like the, the scientific approach has tremendous merit for its ability to diagnose and really zone, like zoom in on details and to be able to target certain conditions. But the way that we approach long-term healing is crippled through this desire to um, treat symptoms and to not understand the um, the holistic nature of the human system. And they're not even acknowledging certain aspects of the human existence, such as the energy body, just to throw out something that a lot of people might shrug off as, you know, being too woo woo. When you start understanding all of the very nuanced and multifaceted layers of the human experience and how they're all interconnected, you can't actually separate them out from one another and um, expect to affect the kind of long-term healing that you're aiming for if you're only looking at one individual aspect of a person's health or their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of times depression and anxiety, it's, you know, in traditional shamanic, for the lack of a better word, um, tradition, it, it's a sickness of the soul. The spirit is sick. And, you know, due to colonization and unfortunately organized religion, you know, the church came in and destroyed anybody who was working with plants, with herbs, the witch hunt, you know, there's been witch hunts and shaman hunts all over, you know, the world. And so the West has been, is lost and disconnected from our earth-based teachings. And, you know, at at heart, we were all indigenous at one point from tribes who lived connected to the land, who who spoke to these plants, and they knew how to heal the soul, right? How to live in harmony. And, you know, we were disconnected from that. And now, you know, we're, we're, this western approach it's it's doesn't have the full uh perspective because it ignores the spirit it ignores the soul Mm. well i I like what you mentioned about just the churches and religions and you know i've heard many speakers and and many schools of thought that there are so many religions that were using plant medicines as sacraments for their own experience which i find it kind of uh, a hypocrisy and a paradox for them to you know, put people out in, like, say, the witch hunts, and, you know, you take a, you know, a witch, she's using plant medicine, she's doing herbal practices, look at ancient Chinese medicine, if there's one thing I know, and that I've learned, and I had spoke with a geneticist one time, in a job passage, we just had this random, bizarre conversation about the expression of our genetic, of our genetic material, that you will release more genetic expression through introducing different plants into your body versus pharmaceuticals like the expression was incredibly different i think she was saying up to 90 or so um genetic expressions through pharmaceuticals and through plants it was almost uncountable because every plant has a different reaction in your body so Mm -hmm. um I, i just thought that was an interesting conversation and when you talk about you know, the indigenous cultures, uh, I find it interesting, because if we look through our, our Western society over the past 100 or 200 years, we've lost so much of these rites of passage, mm-hmm. you know, people, you know, broken homes to, you know, Deus, you were talking for, at the beginning about, you know, peak performance and go, go, go and do, do, do and achieve and achieve and accumulate and accumulate. That doesn't necessarily make you happy, mm-hmm. right, or fulfilled. And I think that 
the more we can bring these practices as simple, and I'm not saying it's simple, but breath, the power of breath, you know, both of your bios all start, both had breath work in there. And, and I think that that's so important that we learn how to breathe properly and Kriya Yoga, that's, you know, uh, Yogananda's teachings back from the early 1900s where he brought that in. And so much of that is, has to do with breath as well, you know, and the different kinds of breathing, making sure we get enough oxygen because, you know, breathing is the one thing we go without the shortest amount of time <laughs> before we, we, we don't make it right. And so many of us just don't breathe properly. So yeah, I think that's important. Now, I want to spend the time you were about halfway through it. I feel like I could talk with you guys for hours all the time, because there's so you have such a wide range of things. But the thing that in, intrigued me about the topic of our conversation today was about group work, and working with groups. And why do you think working with groups uh, is so important, maybe even today? And what are the benefits of working with groups versus one-on-one -on -one, and also vice versa, the benefits of one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. versus working in groups? Yeah, so I find group work potent because the thing that many of us share is we want to connect, but we don't know how with others and we're scared of other people. Yet, it's connection that is so deeply fulfilling to us that, that heals the soul. And many of us carry these wounds from childhood that had to do with other people. They happened in relationship, right? So maybe mom wasn't loving enough or mom maybe was too smothering. Maybe dad didn't love me appropriately or he wasn't there. So there's these relationship wounds of, um, that are, yeah, as a little one, we didn't get the love that we needed. We weren't seen, we weren't heard, and we stifled our. Oh, we've got a little break here. You're frozen. Yeah, there we go. You're back. Okay. okay. It, it happens. And to think I'm all plugged in and everything with technology. Looks like it. Yeah, I've, I think our end was still, was still streaming. Um, so wounds happen in relationship, right? And healing happens in relationship. You know, feeling safe enough to come back to one another and to express our feelings with each other around one another and realize, hey, I'm not going to be rejected for expressing myself. I'm not going to be punished for expressing myself oh, I can actually be myself and be with my feelings and be with an other and actually be appreciated and loved in, you know, in my expression, in, in my existence. So it's powerful to come into group because all those dynamics come up and how we relate to each other. And when we're in those spaces, uh, when we work with psilocybin, for example, it's, it's a medicine of connection, right? mycelium goes in and it's all about connection and unity and oneness so it comes in and they're also the healers of the inner child so the, the inner child wounds come up right and oftentimes people may regress to the little one who just needed uh, needed love just needed permission and that's when myself and deus may come in as the symbol of mother or as the symbol of father because the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference you know we're in different time zones male means all men in life <laughs> female means all females in life right so 
you know, if someone's um, in the regressed child-like state and they just need a mother's unconditional love, I can come in there and I can support, I can hug, I can give those affirming, loving statements to the child and that child begins to heal. That relationship begins to mend in real time. Wow. Well, uh, one of the things I, I love about what you said uh, is about the, the parent figures and, and what I really appreciate about the work you do and doing it together, it really brings a strong balance of the masculine and feminine for people, right? Because I think that um, there's, there's a balance. It's a universal balance yeah. between masculine and feminine. That needs it's very to- helpful for us too, you know, because somebody might have issues with the father <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and then the mother right? can step in. <laughs> but if you're facilitating mission. something and you're just like from a male perspective or a female perspective, and it's not that we can't embrace our own feminine or masculine as a woman in, in that case, yeah. but it's, it's just, I think, important where people are feeling safe to express themselves. Exactly. This is what I was going to add on to what Aga was saying. Like when we're talking about healing, it's important to define what that actually is. And there's many different components to it, but I really do believe it is quite simple. Like what you were talking about earlier, the, the aspects of healing are quite simple. The process can be very, very challenging, but virtually all wounds or lingering wounds, chronic wounds, what we would call trauma, something that's unprocessed has resulted from the punishment or rejection of a feeling and or its expression in relationship. And that has usually occurred in the presence of an authority figure or a caregiver, somebody who is responsible for our well-being for loving us and we're receiving very critical very threatening feedback in a variety of ways what um, our friend and therapist bruce sanguine calls a failure of love and so we learn that certain feelings and certain expressions um, lead to pain and so we start filtering or suppressing those and then we start putting on compensatory actions and behaviors so we start um altering ourselves so that we can receive as much acceptance as possible and receive the least amount of pain as possible. It's like that chameleon you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so the process of healing is coming into contact with first the defense mechanism that is trying to protect that little one. And we have to come into contact with that because right underneath that is a feeling that our system is interpreting as being threatening that we might actually die if this feeling is felt and expressed, especially if others are witnessing it. And Mm -hmm. so the process of healing is very lovingly allowing all of those things to arise without any expectation or pressure or agenda on the person who's going through the process, simply offering that loving space holding and then potentially some support if they get caught in a loop or or things like that, but basically just giving that loving presence so that feeling can start arising and the system learns that it's actually safe for that to happen now because the wound is a memory. It's not actually occurring in real time, especially in plant medicine spaces. It's drawing up unconscious material or deeply held content to be processed. And as it's being processed, it is felt and it is expressed And so if that is met in a loving container by the symbolic representation 
of those caregivers, that's the reconciliation of the, the fragmentation of that being that has disconnected them from the full spectrum of their internal life and inhibited their expression, which has had severe consequences on relationship, which leads to things like anxiety and depression, lack of energy, um, hyper arousal in the nervous system, chronic stress or chronic fatigue. All of these things are pointing to some kind of imbalance within the system itself. So we're helping the helping people come back into their innate sense of wholeness by offering a loving space for them to fully feel and fully express, which is one of the reasons why group work was, is so incredibly powerful. And it's also one of the reasons why people are scared of group work because they're afraid that if they reveal all of the shitty, intense, uncomfortable things that they're holding inside of themselves, they're going to be rejected or they're going to hurt somebody, or they're going to cause some damage, or they're going to be the recipient of pain, because that's what happened in the past. But that's exactly where the healing is. And the exact opposite happens, because everybody comes in feeling like that, ashamed of their pain, and afraid to open. But then everybody begins to open, and you go, wow, you too? Me too. You have this pain? Me too. You don't think you're you're good enough? Me too. You don't think you're lovable? Me too. You think you're a burden? Me too. And this like, oh, this burden that we've been carrying in silence and in shame of how wounded and broken I am. It's just like, oh, this is just the human experience. And oh, okay. Now I'm more open. I'm more connected. And there, there, there's the healing right there. We all, we realize we're not that, we're not so different from one another. And we can be in pain but we can do it together. And all of a sudden it's not as painful. Maybe just one final note, because I want to let you jump in here too, but it's not just the painful things. It's also the expression of joy and happiness and playfulness, like that childlike curiosity. Those things have been inhibited just as much as the painful expressions have. So it's liberating the full capacity of the human. Mm -hmm, Because we're taught to be like, here on the spectrum of expression, right? Don't be too crazy or angry or violent. We're taught. That's the key word. We're taught. We're conditioned to that, you know? And it's like any trauma or anything else, as long if we're reliving it and going there all the time, it just becomes a, like a never ending cycle because we're living in something that might've happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe for some people, 60 years ago, because they've never spoken about it. Or intergenerationally. It might even go to the parents and the grandparents. Absolutely. And that's what I love. And Aga, you said it so beautifully. And that's what I noticed in so many of the circles I've sat in, whether it be medicine related or not, um, is the opportunity for people to express themselves authentically. You'd mentioned authenticity earlier. And then when they recognize that, oh, that happened to you too, or we're not so different and people can see the sameness. And when they have a safe space to actually communicate and to be heard, so many people are never heard. And that's part of their wound because they're, you know, they might've grown up with parents or grandparents who said, you know, you need to be seen, not heard or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. But, and, and uh, Deus, you, you had mentioned it too, is just, you know, that fear of expressing yourself because other people are watching or passing judgment or anything of that nature. And yeah. what I always find fascinating is so much of it comes down to, 
you know, a fear of rejection of what you mentioned and in that being rejected because I'm not good enough, whether it's tall, smart, good looking, whatever it is, then I won't be loved. My parents won't love me if I don't become a doctor or, you know, she won't love me or he won't love me if I don't have the car or the house or the six figure job. So we've created these values and beliefs, you know, on a system that has created in my opinion and what I see you know, it's created so much of, you know, this sickness and dis-ease over the past century or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to distill it even further, we're taught to search for love and acceptance outside of ourselves. Yes. So the plants really bring us back to loving ourselves. The, the, one of the, the, the center of all the wounds can come back to self-love and self-acceptance because mm. if you truly love yourself for who you are and accept yourself for who you are you know you can express yourself without the fear of rejection because you know you're, you're loved and safe right and and then the paradox of that is when you actually love and, ex- and accept yourself and express yourself authentically you will attract people who actually love you and appreciate the real you not the facade not the censorship mm-hmm. right so there's that's another wound that people come in with is like i have friends but i don't feel connected i still feel lonely well, because the they actually aren't of, exposing their, their their true self right yeah. in the past couple of years has been really challenging for that there's been so much separation not just with physical distancing isolation and quarantines and things of that nature but the separation of even families on values and beliefs of what's happening, of what's going on. And I even, I got caught up in it as well in in some areas because it's, you know, you want everybody to be inclusive and authentic and be free. And yet you have a conversation and next thing you know, you're censored, you're canceled out. And, you know, I found myself holding back where there was a time I wasn't stepping out. I wasn't getting on camera. I wasn't doing any interviews or anything because I just kind of got tired of being judged by people that I didn't even know or not that I didn't care about them because I care about all human beings and humanity, but it's just something where like, where do you draw the line? And then you start losing yourself again, you know, and even knowing what I know, I found myself going down that, you know, rabbit hole, if you will. Well, it's a lot to be able to hold your center amidst such a overwhelming wave of viciousness, you know, and this is, I believe that there are very intelligent forces that are orchestrating segregation and division while also pumping fear and trauma, because that's, those are well-known tools for manipulating people's behavior. If somebody is in a um, traumatized state and you've segregated groups, it's a lot easier to control the way that people are thinking and behave. Divide and conquer that old saying, right? Yeah. And it's that also i also believe that that is unsustainable though even though that might work for a short period of time i think that the the inertia of the intelligence of life itself that is seeking to come back into healthy relationship with itself and with its environment and everything around it is going to find some point of resolution because we can't sustain that state no, and, and I think it's, I mean, I'm sure you probably agree, I think it's well on its way. You know, there, there's a lot more, you know, lack of a buzzword, but awakening or higher consciousness, people yeah. becoming more aware. And as we have 
these powerful conversations, you know, it, it I, I think it really gives people permission to be themselves. I know it's the one thing <clears throat> I always like to do is like be your authentic self. You know, this yeah. is a safe space, no matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter what the event is, but you're safe. Be yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's kind of like a, an alchemy that takes place when a person is brought to the threshold mm-hmm. of what they can tolerate and something has to change and they might not know what it is. Like Yogananda actually has this phrase that we are all brought to the feet of God, either out of devotion or desperation. You know, you're either being pulled through the inspiration of how your life is unfolding or you're being pushed through the pain that you can no longer tolerate. And those are um, functional evolutionary things that are built right into our system. It's like we can only tolerate pain and suffering for so long before something needs to change. Mm -hmm. And this is what I see unfolding on the planet right now. A lot of our collective trauma is actually rising to the surface and being exposed. And it's waking a lot of people up to how they how they've been living the kind of values that our society has been built upon and starting to ask questions of how can we actually live in a better way that's more connected and more fulfilling and they might not have the answers but even just asking those questions is the catalyst that's going to manifest that in our world what's your answer to that question which one (laughs) (laughs) you said so much it almost slipped my mind um but you you said you know about it being the answer what's the answer to um you know not suffering and and coming into our own i think there's layers but i think the the first step is to resensitize to our feelings and to learn how to dissolve our inhibitions around expression Mm. There's going to be kind of like a pendulum swing throughout that process, but it's necessary to start opening up that landscape and start developing the capacity to express so that we can find our authenticity. And then from there, we can go into refining how to relate in healthier and healthier ways. But I think that's the first step, which is what healing is, like going into these spaces and having a direct experience of being able to feel and express in a safe and supportive environment so that we can heal from the inside out. And then we can start bringing that into our relationships. And then we're going to have to learn how to be with each other because everybody's different. Everybody has different constitutions. And I don't think there's one answer that will apply across the board through the full spectrum of the human experience. But I think if we're all doing that work of connecting to our feelings and learning how to express it in an honest, but also kind way, we're going to learn how to move forward together. Mm-hmm. Mm, beautifully yeah. said. It reminds me of, you know, the indigenous saying, Aho. it means all my relations. And, and it's so easy just to say that and not really know what it means. All my relations, all my relations, literally the human experience is relationship. We're constantly in relationship with our ancestors, with each other, with ourselves, with your cup of tea, with the plants, with the sun, you, we are in constant relationship. And how do we do that in a good way, in a harmonious way? Right? Yeah, and so, I, I think we have to unlearn so much of what's kind of been fed to us through, you know, the traditional schools and things of that nature. And to have that and recognize how important relationship is and to stop living in fear. Mm-hmm. You know, fear is, you know, we've been conditioned by fear through society, religion, 
you know, family, all sorts of things. And, you know, when we can just kind of like, ah, it'll be okay. I'm perfect just the way I am. Things are just the way they need to be. What can I learn from this? How can I move forward? Because it's, you know, it's that crazy old saying that if you continue doing the same thing, you're going to continue getting the same results. Mm -hmm. And we have to, you know, it's what you're alluding to earlier, Deus, where, you know, devotion or desperation, right? Devotion, I think, is a lot more uh, enjoyable in, in, in the short and long term um, than desperation. But I think there's there's the people that you need to hit rock bottom. And, we, you know, we see that, you know, in, in our culture these days that, you know, that's kind of what drives people to create change. And that's what I love about the plant medicine world is, you know, you have to surrender to the medicine, as, as you know, um, and, and allow it to kind of crack us open, especially for so many people could be so wound up and so tight that mm -hmm. it, it's a great catalyst to open up other areas that you may never reach in meditation on your own because mm -hmm. you're so wound up and so tight, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as you're, you're talking about, you know, devotion being preferable, <laughs> over desperation i would agree with that and at the same time it's these peaks and these valleys of like being able to place your trust in the unfolding of life requires you to experience the value of a challenging experience mm -hmm. to be able to recognize from within the tremendous value of something that was initially perceived as being mm -hmm. um, painful to go through some sort of transformational process allows a person to see and recognize the incredible intelligence of life, even in those painful moments that helps to build trust rather than seeing it as like, uh, things are going good now. And then they take a turn and now they're going bad, recognizing that the intelligent unfolding, like you can take synchronicity as, as an example, a lot of people, We'll talk about synchronicity when there's really positive things happening one after the other after the other, but they don't talk about it when there's really negative things that are happening one after the other after the other. Which is its own synchronicity. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And they're functioning for the same purpose, even though the internal experience of those external circumstances are very, very different. Mm -hmm. Once we understand the intelligent unfolding of life in that way through our own direct experience of which plant medicines are a huge aid in this journey, then we can relax a little bit more regardless of the external circumstances be because we trust the intelligent unfolding of life. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe, you know, to zoom out on the macro perspective is it's not about not suffering in this life. Soul has incarnated into the human experience to learn and we incarnate into duality so if we want to learn about love and soul does, soul wants to um, polarize to love and learn unconditional love. So that means we might have to experience pain so that we can learn what forgiveness is. We might, we're going to have to learn judgment to learn what acceptance is, right? We will, we will polarize and it's mm -hmm. not about not suffering. It's about trusting the process and even being open to the most horrible pains of human suffering, knowing that there is a lesson here. And the more we try to reject and deny the pain, the more suffering we create, right? Yeah. So 
I love these plants because they do help us. They help us come out of our perspective, our perceived lens of reality, of duality. And when we take those um, medicines, plant medicines like mushrooms or ayahuasca or even 5-MeO, they, you know, deactivate that default mode network that makes us just see our little, you know, pinhole uh, perception of reality to the greater picture. And we can see, ah, yes, this is why this needed to happen. I'm so grateful for that terrible thing. Thank you. Oh, right. And we can come into greater acceptance of our shadow and really mm-hmm. love it. And, and I find that it's, it's challenging to do that without the plants because we're so locked into our rigidity of this is how things are. And they can really open us up from within to get those insights. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really beautiful about these states of consciousness because it comes from within. It's not something outside of us telling us the solution or the answer we have a direct revelation of truth within ourselves and then it's easier to you know to change to to heal to move forward yeah and and i love that you said there's a lesson here you know it's one of my favorite questions is you know when things are kind of not going the way i might have planned or desired what can i learn from this you know you know, what's, what's the lesson. So it, I can really identify with, with what you're saying. So we've only got about five minutes left guys. And maybe you can, you know, tell people where they can find you, what kind of work you're doing as we move forward into the summer and uh, what, what your real desire for, you know, humanity is move as we move forward in this crazy world. We kind of live in sometimes. <laughs> My desire for humanity is kind of like hippy dippy woo woo, but I would just love for all of us to live in peace and gather around the fire barefoot, dancing under the moonlight, singing songs. Like that is my ideal life, how I would like to live forever. (laughs) Very kumbaya, (laughs) living connected to the earth, to the land, living sustainably in harmony. It it is like, you know, pageant question, world peace. Yes, world peace. I I don't think it's far out there at all. You know, call it woo-woo or whatever you want to call it. But we need to do that. We need to celebrate and rejoice and have those opportunities of just, being free yeah. and not and, having to care in the world and being yourself. So yeah, woo and, woo, call it whatever you want. I, I love it. Yeah. And I know we've talked a lot about like kind of the shadow of these spaces of like trauma and pain, but working with um, psilocybin over the years, they've told me, yeah, to celebrate joy. You incarnated for joy, sing, dance. And so that's why part of integration. Now we offer monthly ecstatic dances and monthly song circles. So come in, play the drum. Let's learn these medicine songs because we guide space through, through song, you know, come in and explore your self-expression through dance and movement, explore the censorship to music and let's have fun and scream and cry and get sweaty. Right. So (laughs) that's some of the stuff that's coming up. We have monthly song circles, ecstatic dance next week, next Sunday. Um, And where do people find you? somaheart.com thesomaheart.com that's our site that's the easiest way to find us Um, we also have a a mailing list and we have a telegram group where we Mm -hmm. announce all our upcoming offerings so we do group and one-on-one breathwork sessions aga serves combo we also do group psilocybin journeys in mid and high dose our next one is july 16th that's a mid dose um, journey and then we also do 5-MEO and Bufo ceremonies. Those are one-on-ones by request. And then I also have a masterclass for men. It's an eight-week transformational program 
that combines daily content with weekly coaching calls mm -hmm. in a closed container. Yeah. And we just are about to launch our microdose line. So we haven't announced it yet, but we have them. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Well, I look forward to, to learning more about that as we go forward. I feel like I could talk to you for hours really about all the different work because there's so many different um, parts and mm -hmm. pieces of your work that make it a kind of a, what I would almost call like just a total package in, in that sense that, you know, and I, I appreciate you guys because I feel, you know, the honoring of people, of the medicines, of the plants, of the indigenous ways versus some of the misappropriation that we've seen out there. So thank mm -hmm. you for the integrity you bring to the work. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are watching, you know, if you're watching it now live, if you're going to be catching up uh, later on social media, uh, the links and information are below in the description as well. Um, and we'll have it all on Conscious Living Radio next week when it airs on 100.5 CFRO uh in vancouver co-op radio and uh what about you deus we didn't get to to your <laughs> what you know, I final wish... thoughts i think my final thoughts i already mentioned a little bit earlier is for us to awaken to the fullness of feeling and the fullness of expression i think a lot of the problems that we're seeing in the world right now are coming from people's limited capacity to feel and the impulse to try to reorganize all of external reality so a feeling doesn't need to be felt. If that mechanism is healed by our increased capacity to feel both intensity and subtlety, that allows us to come into to discover how to be in right relationship with one another. And that's what my prayer is for the world. Wonderful. Well, you guys, thank you for joining us. We've been speaking with Aga and Deus of Soma Heart and the great work that they do from breath work and, and plant medicines, group work is, is their big focus these days uh, because there is so much power in really strong and well-facilitated group activity. And I just can't thank you enough for the work that you do. And I so appreciate you for that and the way you make a difference in so many people's lives. And I know that uh, you won't be joining us at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference this year because you're going to be, I, I believe, in Bali, you were saying. So we will miss you because I know you've been a feature there um, as long as I have anyways. I remember meeting you for the first time there, Aga. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was in 2018. And yeah, you just always stuck with me there. So uh, thank you so much, you guys, for, for the great work and the light you share with the world. Thank you. So Thanks much. for having us, Mark. You're doing really good work in the world as well. Thank you for, for giving us the platform to share and for all the modes of service, which there are many that you offer out into the world. Well, I, I thank you for, for your kind words and let's, you know, take a deeper dive in a part two sometime, yeah. and, you know, see, see where else we can go. Because like I say, I feel we've just barely scratched the surface of, of yeah. the things that we can talk about. And, you know, if we, going a little deeper with with the different medicines and, and things of that nature we can you know keep continuing to to share with the world so that people can make a difference in their lives and live the life that they truly desire and are entitled to mm -hmm. all right Looking sounds good thank it. you awesome thanks so much thank bye you have been listening to conscious living radio for free show downloads additional information about our guests and topics or details about upcoming programs check us out at consciouslivingradio.org